This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. What's on your bucket list? One item a lot of people want to check off is writing a book, which, let's be real, it's kind of daunting. And even if you manage to write a whole book, how do you get anybody to read it? We recently explored this topic on Twitter Spaces, Twitter's platform for live audio conversations. And a quick side note here, we would love to have you join these discussions in real time. So just follow us on Twitter at WBEZ Reset and make sure you get the updates that way. Now, we chatted for this conversation with Kate Dwyer. She's a freelance writer for The New York Times, and she published a piece all about book publishing. And we also talked to Jasmine Chan, New York Times bestselling author of The School for Good Mothers. That book follows a mother, Frida, who's a struggling mom in a dystopian society where the state measures mothers' devotion to their children. And I started the conversation with a question for Jasmine about how long it took her to write the book. By the time the book came out in January 2022, it was about eight years. But I'm now 44 and I've been writing fiction since I was 18. So the period of time writing this book was relatively short compared to how long I've been writing overall. Wow, that's a long time. Well, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty about like publishing houses and literary agents, which are all really important stuff, I'm wondering if you could both speak about how to build community when you're a writer who's who's starting out with with very few leads you first jasmine sure i i would say workshops can be a really good place to start i met many of my most loyal writing pals um, as a student at brown and columbia and at the breadloaf writing conference there are i those that being said there are a lot of um writing workshops offered outside the college and mfa world so i would say check local organizations and online And beyond the structured workshop, it can be really helpful once you've found a couple of like-minded readers to organize your own writing group or at least find one accountability partner to to keep you focused, especially if you're working on a long project. And third, I would say to remember to be a good literary citizen because it's it's not just about your own work and your mission, but also supporting the the community and other writers. Yeah. Kate, let's bring you in here. I mean, this this process can be can be daunting. It can be intimidating, especially for someone who's never done this before. So what do you suggest? How do you build community? I agree with everything that Jasmine said. Outside of big cities, independent bookstores and universities are places where you're going to meet people who are like-minded and who are probably participating in the wider cultural conversation around literature. So I would suggest going to as many events as you can and talking to people and exchanging Twitter or Instagram handles and staying in touch with those folks in a way that's both friendly and also professional. So essentially get your name out there and back it up with substance. Developing a network with other writers who are in the same place as you or even slightly further along in the process is really helpful, I think. Yeah. What about tools, Kate, for for building out that literary network? Like, you know, getting to know people who are looking for manuscripts, maybe. Could that be part of the process? Sure. So the first thing I would say is follow agents and editors on Twitter, I think, because you can learn about their sensibilities um, and their own voices as writers. But a lot of agents will speak at writing conferences or book festivals. Writing conferences can be cost prohibitive, but a lot of them have scholarships. And a lot of cities will have free book festivals, like the Brooklyn Book Festival is huge. I know there's a good one in Boston. Public libraries are great. And a lot of agents and editors will go to events and speak at these places because they want to find talent and they want to be cultivating new voices. Yeah. 
And also I would say professional organizations are a big one, like Authors Guild, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. They have local chapters, so you can get involved with your um, local communities there. And sticking with you for another moment, Kate, I, I want to talk about finding an agent, you know, which is a crucial step after you have a draft. What do agents do exactly, though, for those of us who aren't aware? Sure. So in the article, we talked about how agents are the talent managers of the book world. Very few first-time authors are going to be publishing industry experts. So agents help these first-time authors navigate the complexities of the industry. They're the people who broker the book deals with publishing houses. They negotiate contracts. Some agents also happen to be lawyers, which is great, but generally the agents are advocating for authors' best interests and help clients develop their long-term careers. So, Jasmine, do you have tips for, for getting an agent? Well, I actually am going to suggest a super lo-fi tip, um, which befits my relationship with technology, which is that if you happen to read a recent book you love and you want to know who represented it, check the acknowledgments. And that's a good way to also um, start thinking about who might be in line with your sensibilities. And in my case, that's how I, I found my agent, Meredith Kefel-Simonoff, because um, she, I think, she actually became an agent like after I was already out of um, grad school. And so, so I actually didn't hear of her until I read the novel Red Clocks. And so, oh. so when I, when I learned that, that she represented Red Clocks and I knew that my book was in conversation with Red Clocks, that's how I ended up pursuing Meredith. So, so it was, it was on a, the, the basis of a tip from a friend, but um, that's something that you can do if you're, if you're reading the new novels coming out is just keeping track of um whose whose uh, worldview might fit with yours yeah can you also explain for us jasmine the, the query letter what is that? sure a query letter is basically a fancy name for the cover letter but it's it's ultra important because in most cases the agent that's all the agent is going to see at first because it's not typical um, generally not allowed to send a partial or a full manuscript with your query because like everyone's computers would just crash if you did that. And so usually you send a, a query letter, which is a couple of paragraphs, which will include your elevator pitch about your book, which will be what your book is about in one sentence, one catchy sentence, hopefully, and why you think this particular agent is a good fit. You also should be able to talk about your book's themes and intentions and influences and books your, that your book is in conversation with. So, for example, when I when I queried Meredith, I said, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Red Clocks and that I mentioned that my book was inspired by 1984 and The Handmaid's Tale and Never Let Me Go. And you'll also include a paragraph at the end that's that's your bio with past publications and awards. I can't imagine how many query letters these agents get in a day. Kate, how do you make your letters stand out? I'm told they get hundreds, two thousands. Um in, I believe it's within a month. Um, wow. It's really, really competitive. So something that I have started thinking about, it's this idea that writing a novel is an art, but the publishing industry is a business. And so I feel like your query letter should do a few things. It should tell agents who you are, what your book is about, why you think they're the right agent to represent it. But it should also show agents that not only are you a great writer, but you're someone who they want to be in business with. So things like sending cupcakes or doing some sort of gimmick, like that's probably not going to land because that might scare an agent off. You want to show that you're also 
someone who they can send out on a book tour to promote your book um, once you get it published. So sometimes if an agent connects with your letter, they might say, hey, you seem like a great writer. This book isn't ready yet. Here's some general feedback. Try me again in six months to a year. Or other times an agent might say, this book isn't right for me, but do you have anything else you're working on? So there's really no one size fits all process, but the query letter is a good introduction. So it's like your first impression. Yeah. I love that. Writing a novel is an art, but the publishing industry is a business. Such a good reminder. Uh, In your article, Kate, you call editors at publishing houses, a manuscript's toughest audience. What are they looking for exactly in that first read? I think you can build off of what you were just saying. Based on my interviews with Don Davis and Mary Surucci, who were the editors Jasmine worked with, it seems like agents want a book that they love. A lot of, uh, sorry, editors, excuse me. Um, a lot of times editors and also agents will say things like, I connected to this or I didn't connect to this in their correspondence because the reality is editors and agents will have to think about this project probably for the next 12 to 18 months at least. So they should love the book as much as the author does. And if it's a no, then I feel like it's probably for the best because you want to work with someone who cares about your book as much as you do. Yeah. Jasmine, what was that like for you? Talk about that process that Kate just explained, you know, when you knew that you were going to get that crucial feedback from the editors. Um. Well, I would say the the auction process itself, I just want to clarify for listeners that it doesn't usually happen that fast, and it's okay if it doesn't. Um, The story of how my book came to be happened pre-pandemic, so so everything's changed uh, quite a bit. But working with with editors, speaking with editors during the auction process was definitely a dream come true, and they're the people who really have the power to change your life and launch your career, and it's so exciting to hear their vision for your book. But in terms of working with Dawn and Mary Sue themselves, it's really so exciting after working alone for such a long time. And Dawn came up with with the most um, genius problem solving and, and, and strategies for working on the book and the way to look at the book um, that I would have never come up with on my own. So, so it, it really is um, someone who's connected to your work heart and soul and who's able to, to see some of the larger structural issues that, that will take it from a promising manuscript to a finished book. Yeah, that's a very good reminder, Jasmine. Uh, Kate, Jasmine mentioned the auction process. Can you just briefly walk us through that whole thing, right? You know, assuming your book gets the go-ahead for the publishing houses, what's next? Sure. So I should say I'm not an expert on the auction process, and a lot of what I learned, I learned from Meredith, Jasmine's agent. Okay. I will say this, there are different types of auctions and the agents set the rules. So in some cases, publishers are asked to submit their single highest bid without knowing what their competitors are offering. And other times the auctions have multiple rounds where publishers will try to outbid each other. And it seems like regardless of the type of auction, editors are speaking with the author to get a better sense for their vision because publishing is such a subjective industry and the winning editor may not be the highest bidder, but the one who can make the book into the best version of itself and whose vision matches the authors. How important Jasmine, is it for, for writers you think to have an online following in order to get published? Like, should you already be popular already have a blue check mark? 
I mean, I don't even know how to get popular on social media. Like, and I've already been published. So, so I mean, I you're asking me. You're kind of asking the wrong person because I don't. You are popular. Know how to, on social you media. are popular. I don't actually know how to apply for the blue check mark. Check mark is what I mean. Um, so I'm coming at this from someone who's a total luddite, and I deliberately chose not to have a public um, Instagram or or a Twitter account until after my book was sold, and it was partly to protect my time and my mental health. And also the big plus side of social media is connecting with writers, connecting with other readers. The downside is there's a lot of competition. Um, there's a lot of um, checking out what, and, and also feeling envy for someone who's maybe a few steps ahead of you in your career. So so I felt that it was helpful to tune out that noise and, and deal with social media after I already had my book out. So I'm probably the, the rare person who's gonna say, stay off social media for for a lot of writers it can be very helpful kate you know there are so many books out there i wonder if you have any thoughts to add there about how new authors who don't have a devoted following yet how they can break through the noise on social and, and reach people that's a really good question and my controversial opinion is that word of mouth is the most powerful tool right now um, I don't know, Jasmine, if you have thoughts about this, but I feel like when I hear about a book from people I trust, it means so much more to me than if a book has appeared on any kind of list. I would just um, follow up with what you're saying to, to say that generating buzz via other writers can be really helpful. Um, bookseller and librarian support is crucial, and so is um, everything happening with Bookstagram. I I have heard about Book Talk, but I'm not on there. I, I hear that they move a lot of copies. And I, I'll just note for listeners that pre-orders are so crucial, especially for debut writers. And it, mm -hmm. it's certainly what boosted my book to um, the bestseller list in the first week. And that that re readers and listeners, like if you're on the fence about a book and you think you might buy it in week one, go ahead and pre-order it because the first week sales have a huge impact on the, book, on the book's trajectory. Your book, it ended up in a lot of celebrity book clubs. It was on President Obama's summer reading list too. But you're saying these types of lists aren't necessarily essential to a book's success. Well, in my case, it was definitely essential. So, so read read with Jenna is is pretty much the reason I made it to the New York Times list and okay. uh, was life changing in so many ways. But there are other ways to break through because certainly there are only so many spots for the big book clubs, and there it is possible for books to break through in other ways. But I've definitely gotten really lucky with with the list that my books has been on. Sure, and I would like to clarify uh, what I said earlier. I feel like, so book clubs are hugely important, but certain ones have the ability to move a lot of books, whereas others are more niche. So last year, the New York Times reporter Elizabeth Egan wrote a piece called Best-Selling Debut Novels Are the Bald Eagles of the Book World. And in that piece, she wrote that of the 15 debut novels that landed on the hardcover fiction list, only five were by non-celebrity authors who had not been anointed by Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Jenna Bush, or the Good Morning America Book Club. I know friends of mine who are writing books right now, and I hear a lot about just the editing process, right? Just the rewrites and the rewrites and the rewrites. Jasmine, do you remember that? 
Yes, I got to say a lot of my rewrites and editing happened during year one of the pandemic. So I also don't remember it that well. because It was uh, it was a pretty frantic time. It is a a long process from the time you sell your book to the time when it is um, in stores. And there are an kind of an unfathomable number of people working, working on that. From listening to your story, it just sounds like there's, there was a lot of people who were seeing your book through and who wanted to take it over the finish line, right? If you had to think of one section of that process, is there any part that stands out to you in that first experience with this book publishing process? Well, I'll first say that I have had an incredibly charmed experience and I fully appreciate how lucky I've been. And one way that I've been really lucky is that the people who've worked on my book have stayed in my life and continue cheering on the project, even when they've changed jobs or in Dawn's case, moved to another industry. It was really great to be able to talk in the article about how my book has so many moms because it's that level of love and care. And beyond that, it's been so thrilling to connect with readers and so moving to hear their stories. I think by virtue of the book that I wrote, I, I hear a lot of personal stories and that's been really meaningful to me. And I I definitely couldn't have imagined that my book was going to be taught in English lit classes or read by sociologists studying the child welfare system. Writers Jasmine Chan and Kate Dwyer. Stick around for much more Reset to come, but first we'll check back in with Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Sasha. 11.59, and thanks so much for tuning in to 91.5 WBEZ. Don't forget Tuesday, next week Tuesday, November 8th, Election Day. And uh, early voting underway. You can vote by mail. You can vote in person. You can get registered. And we've got all that information on our website, wbez.org slash election. We also have a voter guide if you need uh, some, you know, information on the candidates running and uh, how you might want to vote. Make your choices. You can head over to wbez.org slash election. WBEZ is supported by your membership and by the Chicago Public Library Foundation, celebrating the One Book, One Chicago program finale with mouse author Art Spiegelman discussing the freedom to read. November 3rd, more at shypublib.org. And by Dark Matter Coffee, proudly sourcing coffees and cocoa from Central and South America, a contemporary culinary family dedicated to producing coffees and chocolate for everyone. DarkMatterCoffee.com. Get freshly roasted. And by Francis W. Parker School, expanding learning for students since 1901. Its in-person open house for grades 9 through 12 is November 12th. Registration at fwparker.org slash admissions events. You're listening to WBEZ HD Chicago, 91.5 FM. WBEQ HD Morris, 90.7 FM. WBEK Kankakee, 91.1 FM. And anytime on a WBEZ app. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up on the show, the hammer attack of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband and the conspiracies that followed are highlighting an increase in threats of political violence. A week out from the elections, we'll dig into how we got here and what this could all mean for voting day. Plus, we bring you the stories of two Southeast Side activists and their work to reverse the impacts of environmental racism and transform their community. It's all happening right after the latest news from around the country and the world.